Few things in life are more important and defining than the family. And so the past few weeks, we've been talking about the family. And if you're fortunate enough to have joined the Family Summit, then you've received even more rich teachings and practical guidance about how to turn your family from a burden into a blessing. So I hope by now you're starting to apply these things into your family, not because you think you can make it work, but because by faith you believe that God can work. You believe that by faith, God is committed to blessing a family after his heart. That's why you want to make every effort to pursue that kind of a family. So today we're concluding both our series and our summit. And if you notice, the big picture that we're trying to say here is the key to experiencing blessing in your homes is not to force your family members to bless you, but rather for you to bless them. The challenge, of course, is that every family has flaws and dysfunctions and challenges. And if you're not able to push through the challenges of a family life, then all the things that we've been learning will go down the drain. It will be useless. What we need instead is a solid, unwavering commitment to bless. It's a commitment to bless. So how should you and I make that commitment? The passage we're going to look at today is going to show us how. It's from Joshua 24, verse 14 to 18. Let me read that for you. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who live in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. That's an amazing example of what commitment is. And if we can make the same kind of commitment to bless our families, then it's going to provide us the spiritual backbone we need to push through the challenges of a family life and continue to bless them through the ups and downs. So what does this passage teach us about commitment? It shows us three things about commitment. Our commitment to bless draws out a fixed decision to God. It draws in our family's commitment and it draws from God's commitment. So it draws out, it draws in, and it draws from. First of all, let's look at the first one. It draws out a fixed decision to God. If you look at the first two verses again, this is actually Joshua talking here. Now, just a little background. Joshua is the leader of the Israelites. He's been leading them for many, many years. And he's now old. He's preparing to die. And just like his predecessor, Moses, he gathers the entire community to give them his final summon, his final charge. 
So what was so important that Joshua had to say this before he died? He's asking them to make a commitment. He's asking them to choose between God or the other gods. But if you choose God, you have to make a commitment. But notice, even before the people answered him, Joshua already says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is saying, I don't care what you choose. It doesn't matter what your choice is. This is my commitment. This is my choice. I'm fixed on serving God regardless of what you say. That's the kind of commitment that we should be making. It's a fixed decision. So you shouldn't be saying, Lord, I'll serve you as long as dot, dot, dot. Lord, I'll serve you, but Lord, I'll serve you if. No, no, no. That's not how you make a commitment to God. There, you come empty. You don't try to set up conditions or requirements or negotiations. No, you come before God and make a fixed decision to serve Him. And neither should you say, by the way, Lord, I'll try my best. You know, you shouldn't say that. That's not a commitment. That's just a sentiment. Sentiments make you feel like you've committed, but when the tough times come, sentiments are going to quickly dry up and you're going to fail. If all you have is sentiments, right at the time when your family is facing a challenging time, right when they need you to step up and bless them, then those sentiments are going to fail you. You have to go beyond sentiments and make a solid commitment. So don't just say, I'll try, like the wise Yoda said, do or do not. There is no try. Commit or don't commit. There is no try. You have to make a fixed decision to say, I'm going to serve you, Lord, and I'm going to bless my family just like you told me. No matter what the cost, no matter what happens, this is fixed. All my other options are closed. This is my fixed decision. I'm going to love my spouse no matter how difficult they may be. I'm going to lead my children to worship no matter how busy I get. I'm going to obey and honor my parents no matter how unreasonable they may be. See, this is how you make a commitment. It's fixed. You make that commitment to God. And now you may be saying, well, that's easy for you to say. You don't know my spouse. You don't know my parents or my situation. If you knew, you wouldn't be saying that. Well, you may be right. I may not know your situation, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows exactly what you're going through, what kind of a mess you're in. And the Lord knows, generally speaking, how messy a family can get. If you just read through the Bible, you're going to find that it's filled with lots of unhappy stories, even among God's people. The first fight in a marriage happened right in front of God when Adam shifted the blame to Eve. And the first sibling rivalry ended in murder with Cain and Abel, right? And that's just the first family. And that kind of messy pattern happens all throughout the Bible. Even Jesus, by the way, his family thought he was mad. See, God knows how messy a family can be because every person is a mess. And yet God calls all of us to make a commitment to bless them. 
Because that's exactly what we need when we go through the ups and downs, through the challenges of family life. You need that commitment to keep you fixed on blessing them no matter what. It's to make a fixed decision. Lord, I'm going to serve you no matter what happens. I'm going to obey you by blessing my family. Even if I have to sacrifice my own happiness, that is fixed. And you see, that may seem ridiculous to a culture today that doesn't really value commitments anymore. Our culture today values the freedom of choice. It's about freedom of choice. I can choose what I want. I can change my choices. And our highest goal is our personal happiness. So for example, when someone is damaging my happiness, then I reserve the right to cut that person off. I can make that choice. See? And so what happens when we bring that dynamic into our family? If your marriage is unhappy, you cut them off. You cut them off. Now, there may be no divorce laws in the Philippines yet, but people are living separately. Couples are living separately. And even though they may not live separately physically, perhaps they're living in the same house, but they're living emotionally separate, relationally separate. And this is also happening between parents and children, right? They can't live apart, but they're living essentially two different lives. But what does Joshua say? Joshua says, put away the gods that your fathers served. Now, you may be able to appreciate this passage more than most Westerners because you grew up in an Asian family. And in an Asian family, you know this, religion is a family thing, right? You're not just a family, you're a Buddhist family, you're a Christian family, you're a Catholic family, right? That's who we are. And therefore, if someone in the family, you know, changes their religion, it's not just a difference of belief, it's considered a betrayal to the family. It's shameful, right? So, for example, those of you who came from strong Buddhist homes, for example, and it, you know that if you choose to follow Christ, that decision always involves matters of shame and family and community and identity, right? You know that deciding to follow Jesus literally requires you to choose Him above everything, even your own family. And see, that's the same thing happening with Israel. What does Joshua say? Joshua says, you have to put away the gods your fathers served, that's your family, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. That's your surrounding culture. So Joshua is not just saying you have to put away the idols. Joshua is also saying you have to make a choice. You have to make a commitment to God that transcends far, far, far above even your family and your culture. You have to choose God, and that commitment becomes your ultimate commitment that redefines everything, even your family, even your culture. And therefore, when you make a commitment to serve God and bless your family, that decision to bless your family doesn't go up and down with the attitudes of your family or what the culture says. No, it's fixed. So what if my spouse is being difficult? I'll bless her. So what if my family curses me? I'll still bless them, regardless of what happens, because this commitment is between me 
and God and it's fixed. That's my ultimate allegiance. That's my ultimate decision. It's to serve God regardless of what happens. Have you made that commitment? Have you made that commitment yet to God? If you haven't, then do as Joshua says. Choose for yourself this day. And I hope you can say, just like Joshua did, that as for me, in my house, I will serve the Lord. No matter what, it's fixed. The clearer and the deeper you make that commitment, the more and more you're also going to draw in your family's commitment. See, the more committed you are to serve God, and the more your family sees that, how serious you are, and how winsome that is, the more it's going to draw them in to make the same kind of commitment to our God. That's why if you look at these verses, Joshua says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it serves as the pattern for the people to also say, We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. Israel saw the clarity and the depth of Joshua's commitment to God, and it influences them to make the same kind of commitment to God. And in the same way, the more our family sees how clear and deep and sincere we are with our commitment to God, the more it's going to draw them in to make a same kind of commitment. Now, how do you do that? Well, you know, there's this popular saying that goes, <clears throat> character is always more caught than taught, right? In other words, what you do influences people more than what you say. Now, I don't know if there's any biblical support for that, but what I do know is that the Bible does talk about the importance of both examples and words. In other words, perhaps it's more accurate to say character or commitment is both caught and taught. Or in short, our family needs to see our commitment both in how we talk with them and by how we live with them. First, they have to see that commitment by how we talk with them. Think about this. Israel practically saw their entire lives Joshua serving God. Joshua's old now. He's about to die. They've seen him serve their entire lives. And yet Joshua still had to say, he declares out loud, I will serve the Lord. And in the same way, our actions, as important as it is, is not enough. We have to declare, we have to teach, we have to say as compellingly, as, as convincingly, as winsomely as we can, as clearly as we can, we have to say to them, we have to tell them about our commitments to serve our God. This is the God I serve. This is the reason for my hope in Jesus Christ. You have to say to them. But you see, to do that, you need the foundation for you to be able to do that. And the foundation is, you need to have made time to talking with them heart-to-heart heart many, many times. You have to make time to talk with them, quality conversations. And you see, that may, that may seem obvious, but if you've ever tried to do it, you know how unnatural, how difficult that really is. 
perhaps a young couple who's trying to raise up a child while trying to establish themselves in their work, they can easily drift apart because they're not talking anymore. Or perhaps teenagers get so absorbed in their own worlds that they can push their families to the margins of their lives. See, we're all busy, very busy, just trying to get by in our lives. And that's why making time requires commitment. It requires a commitment to make time to talk with our family. You have to talk with them, spend that time to talk with them. But you see, sometimes you may have time to talk with them, but they may not have time. But you can still talk about them to God. You can still pray for them. And if you're serious about drawing their commitments to God, then prayer is vital because at the end of the day, only God can draw in their hearts. And that's why parents, our prayers should be filled with prayers for our children every day and perhaps even many times in a single day. Or when our children are all grown up and they leave our homes, we may not be able to talk with them every single day, but we can still talk about them to God every day, right? And for example, if your family is not yet a Christian, they're not yet a follower of Christ, then prayer is all the more important. You have to talk about them to God. Sometimes you may not be able to talk with them about God, but you can talk about them to God. You may probably know St. Augustine, who is one of the most influential theologians in history. Before he became a Christian, he was actually living an immoral life. And in his autobiography, he tells of this uh, account of how he became a Christian at the age of 33. He shares a fascinating story of how he got converted, but he credits the conversion largely to his mother, Monica. His mother, Monica, kept praying persistently for Augustine, day in and day out, kept praying for him. And even by her pious example, it led Augustine to draw him in to making a commitment to Christ, to surrendering his life to Christ. And when Augustine uh, finally became a Christian, became a father of Christ, a few days later, his mother died as if her work on earth has been completed. See, this is how important it is to talk with our family and to talk about them to God. It's these simple but small things that add up over a lifetime that really make a powerful impact to drawing in our family to God. But that requires commitment. You need to be committed to make time to talk with them and to talk about them. And your family, they need to see how serious you are with your commitments. They need to see that you are willing to pay the price to honor your commitments in serving God by blessing them. That's what draws them in. It's the commitment by how you talk with them. But also, it's the commitment by how you live with them. They need to see a beautiful life that is born out of a commitment to God. You know, the evangelist Rodney Gypsy Smith tells of this woman, Mary, who often came to him and asked for prayers to pray for her husband, John, to come to know Christ. And she kept asking for prayers about this. But this woman, Mary, had a bad temper. 
And it's what often kept her husband from becoming a father of Christ. And so one day, Rodney just took aside Mary and frankly told her that she needed to overcome her problem of anger by the grace of God, to, to trust in the grace of God to overcome that problem. And Mary took that step of faith and she made a commitment to start a new chapter in her life. And lo and behold, when her husband came home, John knocked over a new lamp and it broke. And John was bracing himself for the usual angry, harsh temper of his wife. But Mary, when she looked down from the stairs, she simply said this, never mind, it's all right, we can get another lamp. And John was perplexed and he was confused and he said, Mary, what's the matter? To which Mary calmly replied, Oh my dear, I have trusted Jesus to cure me of my temper. And John was so amazed that he said this. He said, Well, if he has cured you, come right down and pray for me. For that's what I want. If there is enough in religion to cure your temper, I want the same religion. And that day, John knelt down and accepted Christ. That's the power of a beautiful life in talking with them and living with them, born, of, born out of our commitments to serve God, to bless our family, regardless of what happens. And remember, God desires to bless our families and He desires to bless them through you. It's through your commitment to Him to bless your family. That's the power of our commitments. It can draw our family in towards God as well. But of course, the big question is, well, how do you make that commitment? How, what can make me make such a difficult commitment that would even sacrifice my own happiness? And the answer is, our commitment needs to draw from God's commitment. It needs to draw from God's commitment. You know, the problem with messages like this, where I just get a passage from the middle of the book, is that you don't really know the passages that went before this. And so, if I just end there, you might go away with the impression that, you know, this is about mustering up some kind of inner strength in us to make a commitment and thereby receive God's blessings. But that's not accurate. It doesn't really start with us because it starts with God's commitment before ours. See, before Joshua even asks for the commitment of Israel, Joshua tells them to remember how committed God has been to blessing them. And God has proven that time and again that He is committed to blessing them. In chapter 23, here's what He says, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. This is how committed God has been to you. He's proven it. He's proven that He is committed to bless you. And therefore, come commit to Him. That's why Israel says this when they're asked to make a commitment. 
they can commit because God has brought them out of the house of slavery. God has done great signs in their sight and preserved them and drove out their enemies before them. God has proven to them that He's committed to bless them. And therefore, that's why we commit. And you see, in your marriages, let me ask you, what strengthens you? What enables you to honor that marriage commitment that you made, that marriage vow that you made? It's to understand that when you made that wedding vows, that day, it wasn't just the two of you. God was also there. He was the primary partner in that covenant who comes to bless your marriage, who comes to seal you two into one. He joins you into one. He's part of that, and He's committed to that. That's why Jesus says, What God has joined together, let man not separate. Why? Because what God has joined together, He's committed to keeping them together. He'll give you the grace to do so. And therefore, if you are in in an unhappy marriage, you should be able to believe, trust that God is committed to bless your marriage and He can give you the grace to stay together and develop a good home. Do you know how much confidence and peace that can give you in your marriage and in your family? No matter how difficult your spouse may be, no matter how unhappy your family may be, you can trust and believe that God can and will give you the grace you need to keep blessing them no matter what. But you may wonder, well, okay, but why would I even make such a commitment in the first place? What makes a person do that regardless of their happiness? It's this. It's the good news that God is committed to you. To bless you, God is committed to bless you even before you did anything, even before you even committed, God blessed you. And you see, no matter what you even said or did, no matter how horrible things you've said and did, guess what? God stayed committed to bless you. He has made a fixed decision to bless you. You, no matter what. All other options have been closed. He's fixed his mind to bless you. I mean, think for a moment. Think of the greatest test possible that a person could go through to prove how committed he is. Think of the greatest test. And I bet you won't do any worse than the cross of Jesus Christ. That cross is the greatest test of how committed God is to you. And Jesus stayed. Do you know there's this passage in Galatians 3 that says, Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse for us. Christ took the curse of our sins. For what? So that He could bless you. He became a curse so that we could be blessed. That's how committed God is to you. And you see, just look at the life of Christ. Just a few days before his death, 
His disciples were making all sorts of commitments that I'll follow you, Lord, I'll follow you no matter where you go. And yet, none of them fulfilled that commitment. None of them stayed with Jesus to the cross. But Jesus stayed on the cross to bless them, for them. That's how committed God is. Even before we did anything, even after we did everything, God stayed committed to bless you. He's committed to blessing you. Therefore, behold that commitment. Look at that and let His commitment draw you in to make that commitment to serve Him and bless your family no matter what. You can make that commitment and say, just as John Newton says in his hymn, he says, our duty and our pleasure, though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, have joined to part no more. Since we have seen his beauty, our duty to serve him becomes our pleasure. That duty to serve him, that commitment, that duty is now our heart's greatest desire because we have seen his beauty so let me ask you again will you make that commitment to serve god and listen and obey his command for you to bless your family no matter what choose for yourself this day but as for me in my house we will serve the lord let me pray for us our father in heaven we thank you lord we are we we stand astounded that you committed to bless us and you never gave up on us you never changed that commitment you never made a different choice you blessed us and it's sealed in us through the holy spirit we have that glorious hope that you're going to keep on blessing us all the way till eternity father we thank you because your love melts us your love melts us to make us want to commit to serving you all the days of our life father we know just how difficult it can be to be in a messy family, all the ups and downs. You know, Lord, you know. So we pray, Lord, would you strengthen that resolve? Would you make us determined, fully committed, to make a fixed choice to bless them no matter what? Father, you know how weak we are, how frail we are, so we ask for your grace to do this. Lord, for those marriages that are struggling, we pray for grace. For those families that are unhappy, we pray for grace. Lord, would you bless them through us? Would you strengthen our inner beings that we may draw from the commitment of your love, that we may find strength to go and love our families as well. Thank you, Lord. We look to you, not to ourselves. Without you, Lord, we are nothing, but with you, everything is possible. We thank you, Lord, that you are committed to bless us and through us, our families as well. All glory be given to you, Lord, as you do these things. And all these things we pray 
through the strength of your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining our online worship. This concludes both our series and our summit. I hope this whole thing has been a blessing to you and your family. And may you be blessed.